every breakdown where I was a victim, I could always find a place where I contributed, where I gave up my power. And all these things still freaking exist, except that they never go away. These people that say, oh, I healed that piece. Bullshit. We don't heal them. All we do is like we, we, we deal with them. It's like the voices in our head that are still clawing, pulling the demons. You're not enough. You're, you have to worry. Anxiety. It's always all playing. So for me, the, the invitation is like dare. That's everything about my whole existence is dare to be loving. To be loving is to have that conversation, to be seen in your vulnerability, to know that it is maybe a deal breaker, but you bring it. If every one of my brothers is successful here, that must mean that we are elevating the consciousness of the planet. So we're all in it together. So I will take less money. I will take less spotlight. I will take less everything. And I will, when I have abundance, share because ultimately I want us all to rise. We learn to hold each other as a brotherhood and to heal whatever needs to be healed and to be seen in the vulnerability of brokenness from another man's eyes to, who completely gets it and knows it and wants to let you know that you're okay and this is part of the journey. The rise, the comeback is always greater than the fall. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Call to Courage podcast. My guest today is Frank Mondoze. Frank is a contemporary voice on love, eros, and relating, and he embodies both play and pray. He's the lead facilitator with the International School of Temple Arts and the co-founder of the Remember Journey. He's a shamanic minister for the Venus Rising Association for Transformation and the creator of the lifestyle brand Mondoze. Frank has touched the hearts and minds of many, whether it be through tantalizing their imaginations at the multi-sensorial events to inspiring interactions that have navigated people to accessing their personal power. Frank holds an unapologetic, no-nonsense conversation, and it's a space where people can step out of their comfort zone and meet their edges in a compassionately ruthless manner. His containers are solidly held in a protected and safe environment where all emotions and expressions are welcomed and celebrated. In my conversation today with Frank, you're going to get to experience a man who is on his mission. Somebody who is clear about what it is that he is called to do in the world, and he's unattached to the path that he's on. And in this conversation, you'll hear how he transitions through various phases in his life very quickly. And for me, that seems to be a superpower. I think our ability to be able to let go and gracefully transition from one phase of our life to the next is really a superpower. And I think where we get stuck and where we start to feel uncomfortable or where we start to feel tension is where we don't recognize that our life has different phases and perhaps life is pulling you in a new direction and you feel stuck or attached to a final a previous stage and you try and stay there longer than you need to this is where you start to feel resistance where you start to feel uncomfortable and I think recognizing that life is a function of various phases and honoring a phase once it's done taking the lessons, harnessing the gold of what that phase brought to your life and moving into a new phase is really how we navigate life very gracefully. And I think this is something that Frank has done really, really well. In addition to that, we talk about self-responsibility. We talk about the importance of recognizing where we are being victims in our own life and the difference between two different types of victims. Frank's got a really beautiful definition of 
a, a victim by choice and a victim by circumstance. And many of the challenges that we see in the world at the moment is where we feel that we are a victim, but in many ways it's a choice. Like we've actually decided that the world doesn't look the way we want it to and we're a victim as a result. And at the basis of that is really taking responsibility for our experience. And when we do that, we move from a victim into the co-creator role. And this is something that I'm really passionate about. And you'll hear Frank unpacking exactly what the importance is of showing up as a co-creator in your life. Before we get into this conversation today, I want to share that we are really excited about supporting men all around the planet to be able to show up in their authenticity and in their power. And the technology that I have experienced in being inside a intentionally well-created space, like a men's circle, has been probably one of the most powerful, I would say, modalities that have supported my healing journey. And that's the reason that I'm so excited about doing the work that I'm doing by interviewing men that are on a similar path to me as Frank is. The work that he's doing with men is in a very similar space. And for those of you that have never been inside a men's container before, I would invite you to join our free monthly men's circle called the King's Circle. It's a space where you can show up and the only expectation is that you put down and let go of any of the stories and show up with what's genuinely, authentically alive for you from one moment to the next. And the magic of what happens in this space is not only do you feel lighter and seen and accepted when you are showing up and sharing what's genuinely alive for you, however messy that looks, however uncomfortable that may feel outside of that, the lightness that you feel is healing in itself. But not only that, when you share that, the sacred space of other men witnessing you is a gift for them as well, because many men think that we're alone in our struggles. And when we come into these sacred spaces like the King Circle to share what's alive with us, but then also to receive what other men are dancing with, something about hearing somebody else that has the same challenge that you thought you were alone in sharing is hugely, hugely liberating. So if you're interested in experiencing the magic of a sacredly held, intentionally created men's container, the links to the King Circle will be in the show notes of this episode. And without further ado, Frank Mondoze. What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Call to Courage podcast. I'm hanging out today with dear brother Frank Mondoze, who's in California. Welcome, bro. Thanks for being Thank here. Thank you, Gareth. A pleasure to be here. Where do we start this conversation? Perhaps share with our audience that doesn't know who you are, maybe a little bit of your backstory and what uh, what lights you up and what's keeping you busy at the cool. moment. Cool. I'll do that quick because the part I hate of these podcasts is talking about myself from this perspective. So uh, I guess I'm known as uh, a lead facilitator for the International School of Temple Arts. Um, I run Men's Journeys with the Remember Brotherhood Journey. I have online courses at loveandarrows.com. And I actually come from uh, nightlife and entertainment. And my first uh, life, it seems, my first uh, lifetime in this uh, body 
Um, I started off in tech, uh, IT, corporate, the whole nine yards, marketing. And then I transitioned into a nightlife events and I was doing um, large scale erotic performance art parties that actually changed the face of uh, what I would call sensual nightlife entertainment in Canada, United States. And from there, you know, I hit a, um, a wall and I wasn't content and uh, something called out to me and said, keep seeking, you know, like, sure, you enjoy sexy entertainment, but is that the the depth and the, the breadth of the gift that you have? And um, that put me on my own personal healing journey, of which I had to face a lot of pieces and recognize the messes I've made in my life, and uh, clean those pieces up and recognize where I felt like a victim and I was blaming the world. And I had to do some deep introspection and, and the peace that served me the most to become the conscious creator, powerful being that I have uh, emerged to be in the world, self-confident and whatnot, is the piece of a self-responsibility and recognize that in every breakdown where I was a victim, I could always find a place where I contributed, where I gave up my power, where um, I looked for validation or I whatever it was. Whatever it was, there was a place where I gave my power and I'm like, oh, that was the breakdown. And that what led to all the places where I felt violated. And um, so, yeah, coming from that place, I came across ISTA. It totally served me to own my shit, gain uh, greater power, um, uh, release the walls around my heart that were making it very difficult to bridge and connect. And then uh, through greater vulnerability and authenticity and love, um, yeah, I, I, I experienced more love in my life. And um, this is why I became a organizer, then facilitator, and now a lead facilitator for the International School of Temple Arts, uh, just because like, it was really the cornerstone of changing my life and becoming the conscious creator that... I always knew I could be, but I always felt like was beyond my availability because somebody was always in the way, the victim. So when I removed all of that and took responsibility, uh, everything shifted in my life. That's mm. me. What's an, that, what's an erotic art night party? What uh, happens there for someone who's never been in? Essential performance erotic. Uh, yeah, erotic uh, yeah, performance art party. So what it is, is uh, about, I think it was 2005 or something like that. I um, created a nightlife party where we can begin to express our sensuality and celebrate sensuality and femininity and beauty in a safe environment. And in that time, um, you know, there was wet t-shirt parties, there was underground fetish parties, and there was, in Montreal, illegal swinger parties. And so, ultimately, I wanted to be the bridge of all of that and give people that, you know, felt like they want the velvet rope service and, and the bottle service uh, experience married with a sensual experience that felt like Halloween meets New Year's Eve, and you are a character in a party, in a uh, fantasy land of which animators and performers entertained us uh, throughout the night. And because it was a like theme dress-up party, uh, 
oftentimes um, guests came so big and played out so big, you never knew who was entertainment and who was a guest. But one thing was for sure, it was sexy and it was an off-premise uh, sex party kind of thing. It's like there was no sex on-premise. It was a nightlife party. It was like going to the clubs, <coughs> excuse me, except with a select group of people that were really into passionately the concept. And we were having parties uh, between 800 and 1,500 people twice a year minimum. And so what about that, which I know was super successful for you? Did you suddenly think I need to do something else? What what looks what does your life look like in that flow that you're suddenly like, I need to do something else? Thank here? you. That's a beautiful question. So yeah, for me it was it became very clear one day early before I was and the parties were called Mond Ose. It's two words, daring people, daring world. Ose means daring. And so uh, I recognized that, you know, I wanted to contribute. I was a very good organizer. I wanted to surround myself with beauty, sensuality, and femininity. And so I created these events to really cater to couples and individuals looking to have spaces to connect with each other in a safe environment that was entertaining and high-end. And I did that for a decade, over a decade. And it, it really served me, and, it, and ultimately, it served from the creative standpoint, and it also helped me get by financially and reputation. That was fun, too. It was fun to go anywhere in Montreal and be able to walk into any nightclub because I was Frank Mondose or get free meals because people fucking adored what I did because it was so daring and wild, and they really wanted a piece of it. And ultimately, uh, you know, I was serving a clientele and, you know, you have to be creative and always come up with ideas. And ultimately, I wasn't feeling like I was um, being met in the way that felt um, fulfilling. I was getting the sales, but something was missing for me to create like nightlife events where people came and drank and got together and had like sex, which is great because there was no environment like this. But for me, like something was missing after a decade. I, need, I, I knew there was more. And I went on a personal healing journey and when I woke up from that, was it was very clear that I wanted to, even though my life was in service it, to this entertainment, it was still ego and personality that wanted to be seen. And ultimately, I wanted to serve in a way where I was actually living my dharma and, and being like an extension of source. And, you know, for me, when, when it came into joining the... Um, uh, conscious community let's call it that for me it was never like in the past entertainment it's cutthroat it's competition it's like trademarks it's patents it's like all these these pieces and when it came into like the spirituality aspect i'm like nobody's my competitor because ultimately we're all serving the awakening of humanity and everybody is my ally uh, ally or or colleague and um, so what really came was really to serve humanity, to get, get a bit more aware and conscious. And now what's really like percolating for me is that we're at a crossroads in, in our culture right now. And, you know, as much as like, 
I liked entertainment. I definitely, I found my calling in service. And this is who I am in my, my gr- most greatest heart expression is who I am in that one week of training or whatnot. But what I'm hearing the call to now beyond, um, you know, spirituality is the, the greatest uh, call to humanity for awakening uh, and to wake up out of the hypnotism, bra- brainwash and delusion that has been um, over our our consciousness for for decades, and if not our, our whole history, and we are seeing how the the system is corrupt and rotting, and recognizing that there is nobody coming out here to save us. There's no backup plan, and those systems that uh, are supposed to be set for our uh, our own personal care or, or or like service, government is supposed to serve us, is not there at all. It's there for exploitation uh, of of uh, of corporate, we, we are entering into a fascist time collectively, globally. And uh, to me, I think there's nothing more important than raising that call. And I'm putting my reputation at stake for it. And a lot of people are saying, you know, Frank, you, you've gone off the deep end, you're crazy. And I'm like, maybe, but I might be seeing something you're not. And when, when the shit hits the fan, it's better to be aware and conscious so that you're moving quicker and you could make plans as of today of how to attempt to secure um, uh, a a pathway for yourself, your family, and those you care about. So you go on this, this healing journey to try and find something. Where do you start on your, on your path before you end up with this awakening and awareness and finding what you called your Dharma? Uh, Amazing question. I'm loving this stuff. Um, The other people, what led to my absolute transformation was breakdown, breakdown, disappointment, collapse, failure. I failed. I built my company to get to the place that it was supposed to align. The chips should align. They should have been 777 on, on the jackpot, on the slot machine. Everything should have worked and it all failed, failed through my fingers. One of the reasons was because the judgment of uh, an authority that controlled um, controlled the pipeline of my message to a, a larger audience, and it was met with shame and and contraction, and so they, you know, closed the project down, and and I lost everything. So who is that? Is that a media company? Yeah, it was a, a bit who, who's, like Mondoze was about to go like mainstream and the person, even though the CEO and the whole company agreed to it, but the person responsible for disseminating the information was, um, re- I would say, sexually repressed or uh, shameful around sexuality. So she wouldn't put it in the communication pipeline. So the project failed before it even had a chance. So like that is like, you know, I'm in my victim you're you know like well i want to fight and whatnot and ultimately what happened was i just said f it all uh it's time for a sabbatical this door closing my brother gil um is, likes to say that rejection is god's protection so when sometimes when doors close or we hit a wall or uh we break down 
ultimately we're being um, refocused um, or recalibrated or putting us like giving us the pivot point for our life for it to have the potential to uh, evolve into the greater higher service that we can so basically that happened breakdown and I took a sabbatical I went uh, into nature for uh, I don't know about a month or so maybe two months and there uh, I reconnected with nature, with God. I met an intentional community. I got body work in an intentional way to move trauma or, or, or hurt out of my body. I ate well, I exercised, and then I got the reflection of a synchronicity and, and quick manifestation and you know silence, so many of these pieces. And so when I came out of that journey, I basically said, how do I serve? And I opened up to God or, or source or the unknown mystery, whatever you want to call it. It's not about being spiritual or religious. But it's the, I opened up to the unknown. I said, I'm in service. Open the path and I'll step through. And that's when I started to do research of how... I want to like how I'm hearing the call to serve. And that's when I landed on ISTA. Uh, well, there was some stories be before that synchronistic things that always say like this, this, all the finger fluorescent arrows are pointing and I did it. And it was um, completely revolutionary for me and my system. And I, like I said, I was very, uh, I was a victim, um, you know, I had my things and I still have my things and all these things still freaking exist, except that they never go away. These people that say, oh, I healed that piece. Bullshit. We don't heal them. All we do is like we 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 deal with them. It's like the voices in our head that are still clawing, pulling the demons. You're not enough. You're you have to worry. Anxiety. It's always all playing. But what I have come to is like using uh, tools and and coming to awareness and actually actually seeing the drama of my own movie playing out and saying, oh, look how enrolled I get to this the illusion of this, this storyline. So ultimately, I come back to the spiritual lens. And at the same time, I'm very pragmatic. And I care about, you know, um, people's well-being, justice, um, you know, that people have the right to um, be expressed in whatever way that they feel aligned, um, that are different, we all have different value systems, that we, it is our responsibility to respect people's value systems as long as it doesn't look like hate or shut down or cancel culture or control. Besides that, live and let live. And those that create beauty and joy, that energy emanates and it magnetizes. So I trust that. Hmm. I heard you say at the beginning of this that you recognize from all of your inverted commas failures that there was a place of self-responsibility. Where was that for you in the person who blocked the conversation that resulted in the business failing? Where, where was your self-responsibility there? Yeah, that's an interesting question because we had an event. I had invested more money than I ever uh, invested before. Uh, you know, it's the writing is on the wall. It's clear they're not going to support. And so instead of going into a battle with the, the being, I went focused on actually I need to pull this out of my hat. I still have an event that I'm expecting a thousand people to. And we've only sold like 
300 tickets like my 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 finances are all on the line you know and so i i focused on uh figuring out how to make it a success and in the end i pretty much took a loss but it wasn't as significant as i was uh, afraid of and uh ultimately the you know i aligned with the people that were committed to the project we pulled it out of the bag and i moved on i moved on that was the biggest thing to scream that this person um even though we had buy-in from executives and whatnot, and she she did, she morally refused to promote the event, and so what am I supposed to do with that? I can't. I'm not going to fight with it. And so what I did was look at it as a message or a sign, and I did a lot of introspection, and I recognized that I was not super satisfied with the direction of my work, not because of her moral judgment, because I kept on having to hit against uh, people's judgments, against people's closed minds, against people's obsession with controlling a free person's ability to make a choice and and take on the consequence of every choice that somebody always has to protect somebody else. And for me, it just got boring. It just got boring. I I, I lost the flair of it. I I lost the the flavor for it. Kind of like, you know, how I'm feeling a bit now in certain contexts in terms of if we are coming, if I'm coming as an educator and offering spaces of power and transformation, and I'm calling in the most uh, people that really are hungry for that transformation, but ultimately the reflection of the world I'm getting is that everybody's a victim. And if you talk to them or you say something wrong or something happens, that there's a victim. And all of a sudden, a person that's truly trying to serve the collective to awakening and access to greater heart is now going to have their reputation risked at the at at uh, the for the benefit of the other this is why i never became a daca i never be, you know i'm a very talented daca but i would i never became a daca because when it's in a one-on-one situation behind closed doors all it takes is for one person to have a projection or a, 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 an experience that feel that didn't go the right way and you know you're there to support them in their greatest awakening and the risk is so high that they say make a claim and they're all all of a sudden your name is is trash and you're canceled so it's like i'm kind of in the same place with education and spirituality i'm like so disappointed the, the last you know 10 years i've been in ista for 10 years they've been great from the perspective of people that were feeling the call came they got this download i watch my graduates go out into the world they're all like you know expanding uh, exponentially and and now what, what we're hearing not in my experiences but is a lot of people saying no people don't have the agency or responsibility or uh, ability to be in consent moment to moment to moment to take responsibility for a, a journey they go on so from this perspective it starts to be like well you know if i'm serving a population possibly that doesn't want the content because they don't want awakening and i'm going to put my um work and reputation at the risk of cancel culture maybe i shift gears and i look at doing something else and you know for me i've never been attached to my image like i i was the big (laughs) 
IT corporate marketer. I left that in an instant, not because of money, but because my heart said it was time to leave. And then I did Mondoze, and I built that. That's my baby, my creation. It was a lifestyle and culture changer in Montreal. And I left that as too. I left that too, that identity, that persona, because I wasn't attached to it. And then now the same thing with being an educator an educator. It's like, you know, if this is if this is the end of a time where people are not willing to take responsibility for the nature of their experience, then you know, I'm less interested in in facilitating and I'm going to do something else like maybe you know build community or build places where awakened initiated individuals who have gone through my experience now have playgrounds so joining the world of Mondoze and play and ista of the world of intentionality spirituality and prayer hmm. it's a lot right how does somebody I, I'm shift? All, I'm all over. No, it's good. I love your no. I fucking love your fire, bro. We always have these conversations, and it's so it's so juicy to hear how your how your mind links these pieces together. Um, I think what came up for me there was this: the first thing um, from a little bit earlier was this unpack of like collaboration versus competition. And when you were in competition in your old world, how you shifted into this world of more being in collaboration. And I think that's an interesting theme, especially for men who have this inherent like link to scarcity meaning we're always competing for business as opposed to being this collective force working together maybe in different brands maybe on different podcasts maybe with different messages but the in the same theme and really seeing us all working together in a collaboration rather than competition and maybe you want to touch on that a yeah, little bit beautiful. because you've also done a bit of work on men's work as well yeah and so i ultimately i i understand the competitive uh, essence because it is linked to an element of scarcity and so competition if we go back into like primal nature place it's like as, as like evolved humans we really forget that how we had to be in the world for uh, a resource for food, for land, for a territory. It was competition. And so competition and f fitness and being able to uh, <coughs> dominate, acquire, hoard, that um, created safety and security, not only for oneself, families, communities, and whatnot. So ultimately, epigenetically, genetically, it is in our DNA that it's like we have to compete for survival. And so nowadays, you know, we transfer the hunt uh, of the for for the meat uh, to to uh, competition in the market. And so when we meet society from the capitalistic perspective, capitalism is designed to say, you know, the person with the greatest ingenuity will dominate or will uh, uh, gain uh, uh, attention. So ultimately, here again, we're trained that if I've got the best, it will rise to the top. If it rises to the top, I will get my piece of the pie. And getting the piece of the pie is off of somebody else, ultimately, when we are in this cutthroat, make it or break it world. 
And so for me, what a blessing it was when I when I was able to transfer from the place of cutthroat, need to get some pieces of pie, another cog in the wheel, you know, spacely sprockets versus whoever sprockets. That's a Jetsons uh, a, 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 a reference. Jetsons like the Flintstones go backs. I'm aging myself here, but sprockets, cogs, it's all like it doesn't matter what we're selling. It's all like things in the system. So when we're selling things in the system, we have to play in the system, which is competition and and forecasts and, and whatnot. But when it came in the realm of the heart and spirit, I never met this work looking to make the most money. I never came in this work to be better than the breath workers and, or the silent uh, Vipassana people or the uh, medicine people. My service to this place was, here's another offering, another modality, and it's deep and it's powerful. And so ultimately, I want to experience your medicine work because it makes me better. And I desire to share with you my uh, sexual shamanism work, but don't do it if you're not capable, if you're traumatized, or if you don't desire it. But here it is if you want it. And and so, again, it's the same thing. I'm not looking to get, um, you know, uh, clients to do one-on-one -on -one sessions. I have people that I, I don't want it. What I'm here is really to put a call, a pulse, to add something. And so for me, when it, when when I recognize my ability to move from competition to recognizing and and serving in the field from the place that if every one of my brothers is successful here, that must mean that we are elevating the consciousness of the planet so we're all in it together. So I will take less money. I will take less spotlight. I will take less everything. And I will, when I have abundance, share whatever it is, resource that I have to share, and specifically heart and love, I will do that because ultimately I want us all to rise. I think that is the greatest tra the transformative um, uh, perspective that has changed my life. Even And it started in the dating culture when I was like, at one point, the girlfriend was mine, the wife was mine. And it's like, oh, don't rise, stay on my level, whatever. And now it's like in every relationship I, I'm in, whether I'm with the woman for a long time or a short time or just a good time. I want them to rise. I want them to rise. And and I'll, and that was a reference to a song. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Anyways, um, but the idea is to support our, our our allies to rise, our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors. That to me is the transformative force of, of, of the planet. And it, as long as we are still in competition, we we won't break the we won't break the um, the brainwash, the hypnotism. This is a good place for me to ask you this question. As long as I've known you, and probably for even longer than that, you've called yourself polyamorous. Describe what that is as a relational path, how you navigate it, and what are some of the challenges? Like who should be thinking about this? Who should not be thinking about this as a path? I'd love to hear your thinking on that. Because for some people, I think it's fucking out there, yeah. really out there. So I don't identify as quote unquote polyamorous, but it's the closest uh, label uh, on 
and, and it's a label that helps compartmentalize the style of relating but f- but for me ultimately my relating uh, plays out as a moment-to-moment accumulation of experiences and failures and r- ruptures and repairs that equal a long uh, a long um, a long-term um, relationship connection between two people. And that to me is my pathway towards rising in love with an individual. And I think the biggest mistake individuals make in the journey of love is that coming out of the programmed culture, we look out to the world and we're looking to say, <coughs> I need, I'm looking for that person to complete me. You know, the female is looking for the adequate partner to raise a, a family with. The male is looking for somebody that he admires and trusts and allows like that feminine energy to guide his service, his value system. He wants somebody that he actually he could uh, devote to love and respect. And so look at the weight of those two things. But ultimately what it comes is that we have this, we look out to the world with radars, them, them, them. And then we have them against a whole list of, you know, has to be smart, money, tall, good looking, great in bed, beautiful genitals, again, jokes, Um, but true, Uh, you know, all these things. And so we're looking, scanning, scanning, and then the first person we come and they start to check off those things. They say, oh, that must be the one. Hooks in, uh, shut down, and then it's like this big focused relationship. And it's like we're only on month four of knowing each other. Like, I think that's a bit premature to, like, it's 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 um, future projecting. It's so in the desire of finding the one that in my mind and imagination, I am already in the relationship, in the engagement, in XYZ, which takes us completely off of the awareness and the present moment of what it is to relate. And God and uh, the unknown mystery and the source, beauty, uh, grace is all in the present moment. So when we're future projecting, we've already got off the path of the authentic uh, pace of rising in love. So that is like foundational. Now, when you're in the world and you're exploring, we meet multiple people. You know, it's not because I like, usually when I see one that I really like, it's usually somebody that I'm outsourcing some part of myself that I haven't reclaimed. And it's like, I really want them. And when I really want them, I won't let them go. And if I lose them, I will be have sadness and despair because I'm losing a part of myself. And so... I look at these things as alarm bells as to, oh, you know, like go introspection, go introspection. But ultimately, what I'm trying to say is you don't know who's for you if you're only dating one person and stuck into that. So for me, my relationships start on day one. It's like I'm a person. I'm here to share love. We're conscious. We speak where we're at. We have conversations. We're current. And we get on a journey of rising in love. Four, week, four months into a relationship, I might be dating three people. You know, 
two years into the relationship, I might have a primary and a lover or whatnot. But the idea is that my experiences with individuals do not cease from existing. My my feelings for an individuals do not cease for existing because I have my sights set on one person. The idea is that there is love. And as long as we feed love, you know, touch, eroticism, sensuality, cuddles, those are all expressions of love. It's called eros. Eros is intimate love. The Greeks had many words for love. And so for me, the way I relate is coming from the place of I have lots of love in my life and lots of relationship in, in my life. And each one of those relationships are authentic, genuine, true, and need to be honored and respected with where it is in the moment. And so that's what I do. And then it just turns out that I have multiple relationships with multiple people, but it's not like, um, yeah, so that's how I define polyamorous. It is rising in love, invested in the benefit of the other, supporting, celebrate their, celebrating their expansion in good times and in bad, especially when it's difficult. And those relationships don't, disappear just because you have somebody that you have in, uh, somebody else you have intimacy with so it's a it's a it's a there's pitfalls because it takes a lot of energy there's pitfalls because you have to be very emo emotionally intelligent and mature you have to be willing to have difficult conversations you have to be willing to own do do yourself uh introspection work you have to be willing to um um lean in. You have to be willing to uh, communicate feelings, hurts, and, you know, finding the maturity of uh, listening to our desires, our needs, and what our boundaries are. And then we have to maturely lean in to see how our value system matches. And if they match, then we could continue this relating, which is a present moment piece and not a future projection piece. Hmm. So how do you how do you manage it when you do find yourself in a connection with somebody that you love and they give you the thanks I'm not interested anymore? Do you are you saying you don't you're not attached to anybody in your life? Am, you don't feel I that pain when they transition. Many people in my life, but I know when I'm coming from the place of love. Um, just because relationships transform in form does not mean that they they failed or they're broke down or that they're not worthy. Absolutely the opposite. If I'm with somebody who is also in a polyamorous relationship and somehow they're in a relationship with a man or another person, excuse me, that is having difficulty uh, uh, with their uh, relating with others and especially with that guy, Frank, and that relationship is important to them and they feel like they want to continue on that path and they'll have to put me on pause or break up with me, of course that's going to hurt that I'm going to 
going to lose access to this intimacy and the, the eros and, and whatnot. But it doesn't change the fact that I am in celebration and I do support their expansion. And if they feel like locking down with one person is the journey of their expansion, then I support it. Even if I think it's a mistake and they're like, they're going to find themselves in a year from now regretting the decision, I honor their ability to make choice to do things that are good for them or not good for them. And if I was with somebody that is more in a primary situation, and for example, they show up in a way that is less than inspirational to me, and it changes the game. Because that happens, you know, when you're in relationship, when I'm in a relationship with people, for me, it's like, for me, there's no boundaries, do whatever you got to do. But if it breaks my value system, we're going to have a conversation. And if we don't, we don't get on the same page with that, we're going to have to make mature adult decisions and recognize that this is the crossroads where possibly we separate. But when we hold our truths and when we pretend we're not attracted to anybody, we're not engaging 100% authentically, so we don't really know. So if there is that breakdown and I say this value system doesn't work, I don't think we're uh, eye to eye anymore, I'm going to step away. You think that doesn't hurt? Of course, it's very painful. I went through one of these recently. It was a heartbreak, a breakdown. But the gift is, is that once we get through the pain and the hurt of the heaviness and the drama, on the other side, if we both didn't damage the, the situation too much and we're both committed to love, then we could allow love to uh, to spring again and to blossom again. But this time, not from the place where I have access to your genitals or I have, uh, you know, per, you know, I have uh, uh, ownership of your genitals, but more from the place of, you know, you're an independent, sovereign person. And it would really felt good to be in that intimate relationship we had before. But now we could get into right relationship, which looks like allyship, uh, support, support from a distance. You know, uh, it could look like anything. It's evolution. And I think humans, that's what happens. We, we rupture. We may repair. We may not repair. And that dictates how we move forward when really it's all just love manifesting. And when we're so far from each other, it's because our children, our inner children, our wounded sized is so... Um, uh, online that we can't get beyond that piece and come from the greater heart, the greater love of a mature, uh, well-meaning being. Hey, it's Gareth. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. The original definition of courage means from the heart. And I believe that we can have more courage in our lives by speaking from the heart. I'm on a mission to help heal the world by cultivating more courage by having more conversations like the one you're listening to now, where I encourage my guests to speak from the heart. If that's a mission that you want to get behind and are prepared to support me on, it would really help us if you would share this podcast with somebody that you think would benefit from listening to this conversation or sharing it onto social media and encouraging your network of people to engage with our guests and the message that we're cultivating here at this podcast. It will also support us if you subscribe to the podcast or write a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And in exchange for your support, you have my word that I will continue to seek out the most exciting, courageous and inspiring people on the planet to keep cultivating more courage and having more conversations like the one you're listening to now. Thanks for stopping by. And now back to the show. Yeah, I'm hearing you talk about the, 
the need for very clear communication and for owning desires and for having boundaries and relationship agreements. And yeah, it's a, it's such an interesting space. What's the, what's the frame that you use? Have you got something that you can share with somebody that's having challenge in relationship at the moment around communication? Like how do you support somebody? Yeah. That maybe needs to get clear on what it is that they want, or they, they realize that their relationship is in a challenge irrespective of what their relating style is. How does communication play a role and what could, what could serve them? Yeah, I have a whole course on this. It's called Love Without Limit on loveandarrows.com. But I would say the fir- the main piece ultimately is when we have a challenge, uh, the biggest thing that happens is that we um, sometimes don't want to name it because we don't want to ruffle the feathers of the relationship. Because if we bring up something that is very meaningful to us and we are not met in the way that we want or hope, uh, then what ends up happening is that we have to put in question uh, our stance and disposition uh, in this relationship or we're afraid that the other person is going to question their stance or position in the relationship. So we prefer to like keep it under wraps and keep it together and keep it in the unsaid. But then there's all these like little fires, brush fires emerging because we're not addressing what truly is at play. We're addressing uh, like the, the superficial. So for me, this is where it's a call to courage and courage being uh, recognizing that, you know, there is fear and there might be loss if I have this conversation and I, and I, and I speak my authentic truth, but courage is recognizing there is fear, but moving forward anyway, because it's the right thing to do. And ultimately, if you are investing time, energy, resource in relationship, why would you want to be investing in a relationship that is not 100% authentic and transparent? And it's like, you know, just comfortable or there's money or the sex is good or whatnot it's superficial and eventually it will break down and will break down with a lot more drama so for me the the invitation is like dare that's everything about my whole existence is dare to be loving to be loving is to have that conversation to be seen in your vulnerability to know that it is maybe a deal breaker but you bring it because ultimately what's driving you is love and care and respect for the individual in front of you uh, and, and like to mutually understand each other for the betterment of each other, my life, your life, and the betterment of the couple if we choose the couple. So good. I love the call to courage little intro you managed to weave into that little piece. It is a call to courage. It really is a call to courage. Yeah. And the original courage is like the definition is from the heart. And you can't have a conversation that isn't authentic if you're not speaking directly from the heart, even when it feels difficult or even when you think it might change the the status quo or what we do in the relationship or some of the legacy stuff. So, yeah, beautiful to to share that. What's been your journey to creating the remember brand like that's your that's your offering to the world specifically for men? What is where do you find value in having spaces that 
just men show up and what was your drive to create that? So what pushed me to, so the, the name is Remember Brotherhood Journey, except we spell it with an M instead of an M so that we have men in the, in the middle. And, you know, the call of that journey uh, was from one of my brothers who was at the time an apprentice of mine. And he said, I, I feel really called to hold a, a brotherhood journey because I, I really feel the world needs this. They need a, a, a platform for men to come together, not as men's work, another like push through, but more uh, a brotherhood work where we recognize that we're not alone in this journey. And it's, uh, you know, for me, I call it the remember dojo because ultimately it's where we uh, Men are supporting each other, you know, in, in some ways, emotionally, energetically, uh, sparring with each other from the heart in order to rise and, and, and make each other better. And actually, it's less sparring and more holding at Remember, actually. It's really holding of each other. We learn to hold each other as a brotherhood. And for me, what would the impetus of what that was like, yeah, part of my bro's uh, Nimai, his uh, apprenticeship journey was, let's build this. I'll help you build this and then for me personally it was really to create a laboratory and an opportunity like i said a dojo for all my male apprentices to come through and then learn how to facilitate and then support and inspire other men as they are on their awakening journey while they're on their empowerment journey or their responsibility journey or you know this is what my brothers do my brothers that are my apprentices who are turning into facilitators me my Blake, you know, Jacob, these guys, these guys are coming up, uh, Gil, you know, these guys are coming up as uh, brothers with uh, who take responsibility, who are showing up for love. And and that's what's in, what, why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to create leaders. And I want my leaders that I'm, I'm supporting to to step up to create leaders. And, and so for me, remember was always a place where I could support my brothers to, to really upgrade their gifts to the world and to heal whatever needs to be healed and to be seen in the vulnerability of brokenness from another man's eyes to, who completely gets it and knows it and wants to let you know that you're okay and this is part of the journey. And if you could find a way to pick yourself up or ask for somebody to pick yourself up, that the rise, the comeback is always greater than the fall. But let's get each other's support. And that's what Remember is all about. Mm, so good. It's, um, yeah, really prevalent for me at the moment. I've got a, a really good friend who's going through some stuff and he, he's, he just doesn't reach out. You know, there's something about men that just feel like we need to do it on our own. And it's the reason that I'm so passionate about the work that I'm doing and holding the, the king circle and for the same reason is, you know, not only to be in my authenticity and to be witnessed there, which is fucking amazing. And I experienced this really for the first time in an Esther training to share, this is my journey. This is all my shadow. This is all of it. And just be like, wow, just to be witnessed. And that felt amazing. But then the magic was like, somebody would come up to me and be like, Hey, that was so incredible. Thank you for sharing that. That supported me as well. And it's like, fuck it. I didn't realize it was helping somebody else. And there's just, so much magic inside that sacred space. And I just really honor you for, for creating that. And yeah, the way that it's coming together and how it's supporting. 
yeah, like an awakening. And I guess in many ways, it touches on many of these themes we've been talking about, self-responsibility, asking for help, vulnerability, communication. So um, I'll... Yeah, just to... I, so go ahead. No, I'm go. That's, say, that, was, that was my rant. You know, there's a piece where... You, <coughs> excuse me. Where you, you touched on, like, you know, sometimes men just they just don't reach out they're they're they and i get it because as much as um you know for me like even remember or just space with my brothers when i know my brothers are going through a difficult time it's not about you know like having the big conversations it's not about fixing them or or needing them to give them a space to emotionally release and be witness if they want that yes but most bros want to just know that they're not alone and that doesn't look like us having to do an adventure or you need to listen it could just look like dropping a message hey brother just want to remind you i love you you know i care about you and look forward to seeing you or whatnot i'm here it's just this is what how the brotherhood love looks like it's like just for me i know i've i just recently went through a a, a burnout and a breakdown and you know that's what I noticed. I noticed the lack of certain people in my life coming and knocking on the door and saying, I got you, you know, if you need anything. I didn't want to have a conversation. I didn't want to call people and have and and go blah, la, 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 meh, meh, meh. You know, like something's wrong. I wanted to just go into the dark night of my soul and go to the depths and slowly resource, so, slowly f uh, fuel myself, but know that my bros that love me, those three other lions, doesn't matter. I have thousands of people as Facebook friends. I have thousands of graduates. I've got hundreds of friends, but it's usually those three, four lions, male lions in your pack, in your, in your pride, that they just have to say, I got you, I hear, I love you. Uh, and, and I think that's the biggest gift. Brothers that just tell each other that they love each other and that they support uh, each other's comeback or growth or mistakes or whatnot. And so eventually, that gives us the momentum to say, okay, I could pick myself up off the ground and actually, Garrett, I need some, I, I would just like to like, you know, hang out and have a beer or a coffee and, and just chill out and, and actually not talk about anything, but to be in your comfort, uh, in, in your space and comfort. And, and so it's like more like creating the opening and allowing them, but reminding them consistently that there's a path here to openness because eventually when they get out of it or if they're really in a desperate moment, those that have consistently demonstrated presence and, uh, and love will probably be the first that they contact and, and that's your opportunity in those moments. That's so good. I noticed when you were sharing that there was a part of me that for for the same the same mate wants to wants to solve it, you know, like I want to, you know, come have this big process, come to a men's circle, like do one of those things. But actually, probably what he needs is just a fucking a heart, you know, or something just just a just a sense that I'm there. And um, yeah, that was a good reminder for me. Thank You're welcome. You. You've touched a few times in this conversation about self responsibility. And maybe you want to just talk about how to cultivate self-responsibility and perhaps a way that we can recognize where we're not taking responsibility for our actions. So meaning where, where are we a victim? What are some of the signs that I'm, I'm stuck in victim and how do I cultivate self-responsibility as a way to move me into the 
the creator role rather than the victim role? So first thing I want to discuss is about, you know, uh, victimhood. And there's two real uh, perspectives of victimhood. Number one, there's true victimhood. And for me, true victimhood looks like when uh, choice of a sovereign individual has been uh, either forcefully or psychologically manipulated and uh, takes something from the other. And that could be, you know, anything, energy, attention, body, touch, whatnot. To me, that's a true victim. That is an individual that has been um, probably criminally violated so that there's a violation. And when there's a true violation, I need to say that it is so important for us to... um, recognize the difference between a true violation where choice was stripped and where we feel like something didn't go in the way we believe it should go based on our upbringing, our values, our belief system, our sense of uh, righteousness, duty, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And if we are a victim from that perspective, Um, You can be. And in some places, it is justifiable. Like I said, I have found myself being the victim many times where it's truly justifiable. But to me, if you're living in this cold and ruthless world, uh, the reflection of unfairness, lack of safety, um, uh, lack of justice, it's all around us. Nothing is safe. Everything is dangerous. And so we must recognize that we have to inform ourselves and be uh, aware and uh, access whatever information available before we make decisions. Or if we act rashly, recognize that acting rashly and moving without the information and uh, lacking of discernment is part of responsibility. And so if any of these pieces are playing out, that we have to look at where we have co-created the experience. Everything that is emerging is a co-creation. There is nothing that just happens to us unless there's a violent, uh, like, violation, as I, I mentioned earlier. But besides that, we are in the, the 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 larger play of it. And usually where there's breakdown and victimhood or martyrdom or whatnot has to do with places that we are unaware that uh, of how we show up in the world. And these breakdowns are usually the windows or the lens into our own experience and psyche of how we give away power. Because ultimately, to be a victim, you have to give up power. And to give up power is a consensual engagement, whether it be conscious or unconscious. But that does not mean that the consent was not given. And once consent is given, you cannot take it back post-hubrously, post-whatever, after the, the, the event. It just doesn't work like that. And I'm going to make one very clear and controversial example. When you took a vaccine for covid I'm not sure if we got allowed to say that, those words. You consented, whether with consciousness 
or unconsciousness, whether with full information or with not information, you chose to be manipulated to take a vaccine that was not created by Pfizer and Moderna, but proven that it was produced by the NIH, and then after produced by uh, military contractors who gave it to, who paid Pfizer and Moderna to brand these concoctions. There is no going back on that regret. There's no like, had I known, or if I was more informed, I would have made a different decision. Yeah, in a perfect world, if we were more informed, it is our responsibility to inform ourselves. And if you do not have access to that information, that maybe that is part of the discernment that is required to make decisions that keep you safe. So right now, it is proven that that vaccine has has more injury than all vaccine of all time accumulated in the last two years. That's what we're talking about. As much as you want to take back consent and change things, it's too late. And that's what responsibility is. And what I see in our culture today is too many people making decisions which lack maturity, which lack uh, self-responsibility, which lack discernment, and then in moment to moment to moment, and then want to turn around and blame somebody for taking advantage of them. This is not, not a if if you, if as an adult you are saying that you cannot be in the world and take responsibility for the consensual pieces that you're stating in the moment then you are declaring that you do not have agency and if you do not have agency then you cannot be an adult in the world. You can't sign to get, you can't get a tattoo. You can't sign for, you can't drink. You can't sign for a loan. You can't do any of this. So it's either you're an adult and have agency and are able to consent moment to moment to moment, at which point we can engage because we're taking responsibility for our engagements, or we're going to say that somehow I do not have agency and therefore some other force needs to protect me somehow or the other, of which you gave up power. And that's giving up power. And so ultimately what I'm saying is that it's a cold and cruel world. And there's people that are not great or are not aware or that make mistakes out of innocence or that regret what they have done. Is there enough space can, ha, as a culture, instead of cultivating cancel culture, can we cultivate more compassion, more empathy for everybody on all sides, those claiming to be victims, uh, uh, those uh, claiming to be per uh, appointed as persecutors or, or perpetrators. Can we not have more compassion, forgiveness, um, um, uh, restraint, uh, groundedness, maturity, intelligence, uh, uh, conviction to, to communicate from a, 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 a civil perspective. But what we see in the world is a, 
um, group of people who are, when they don't get their way or they feel they're offended or they can claim on to being a victim, that they have a sensationalized overreaction to some kind of injustice that is, that is uh, happening in their own personal world in a microcosm. This is more narcissism in the, uh, in the, in the reaction of uh, a cancel culture. This is more narcissism than it ever is uh, justice. So, because when we move to that place, we're, we're, we're meeting injustice with injustice. And ultimately, we need to listen to where there is the potential for gro- bridges and growth together. And when there's listening and uh, improvement and commitment and willingness, we need to find more compo- compassion. And failure to do so uh, and, and, and going towards a, a takedown culture demonstrates what, we're, what has been been starting to be spoken about is cluster B society, which is uh, emerging uh, out of pathologies coming from the last generation, like narcissism, like borderline personality disorder, and so on and so forth. So ultimately, I would say that the, the path of the initiate, the path of the empowered individual, the path of the awakened one. Once upon a time, we knew we had to to hit a wall. We broke down. And from that breakdown comes the awakening and the enlightenment to which we become better people. Now it seems that the breakdown for the enlightenment becomes the trap to which we identify with our egos trying to do self-preservation or gain uh, some reputation or sympathy. It's just not the path of the winner. It's just not the courageous path. So I, 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 I want to support people in those situations. And this is what I do. I have a lot of brothers that come to me with like very clear, like victim mentality uh, pieces and they're crying to me and I hold them and they're crying. And then I turn around. And I'm like, do you want powerful medicine? And they, if they say yes, I give them okay. Self-responsibility. What's your fault? Where are you giving your power? Where are you pathetic and, and, and giving away your power because you lack worthiness or you desire validation? It always comes back to us. It's all, you know, if we think it's all about us from the narcissistic perspective, if we start coming to the place of it's all about my attitude, my mindset, my belief system, and how I show up in the world. That is the reflection of my life. So if, you're, if your life looks like shit, maybe you need to do a lot more introspection and find where are we co-creating this experience. Mm. I'm giving mini, yeah, I'm giving within, mini, courses, so without- mini courses in, the, in, these, in these responses. Yeah, I want to, um, I, I want to just just be clear on what you said at the beginning because I think it was really powerful. You said that there's two types of victims. There's a genuine victim that has had an abuse that's a function of potentially even criminal activity where somebody has violated a boundary, had power over for somebody, or taken something that was genuinely out of alignment is one type of victim. And then there's another type of victim that is just triggered by something and feels entitled to some sense and feels like they've been wronged. But most of the time behind that is some wound that perhaps we've either explicitly or implicitly given our power away or outsourced our decision making to somebody else. And our discernment is really recognizing where we have played a role in that experience. That epic, you, epic, epic. And one of the pieces about the, the uh, violation, true violation, for me, the definition, you know, is 
removing choice, removing my choice. And so uh, I, as long as I have... Let me stop you there. Where, does, where, do, where do people have their choice removed in, say, you can't go to buy groceries at the store unless you had a vaccine? That was your example that yeah. you used. Was choice removed Absolutely. There? Because, you know, I'm born into this world divine. This is my natural way that I choose and is my divine right uh, as a divine being to be on this earth and choose the, the medical uh, assistance that I, uh, that I want. If I don't want to take medical assistance, it's my choice to live a more uh, life that suffers. Of course, they you know, I don't want to get into the freaking whole politics of it, but they spun it as if I don't take a vaccine, somehow I'm risking somebody else's life, which is the perfect psychological operation, manipulation, brainwash to push people into the obligation and the virtue signaling of I got a vaccine, not for me, for you. That's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. So if I am forced to take a, um, a vaccine that is that I do not have that I'm not, I do not have choice in order to get groceries. This is a violation. I am absolutely 100% being violated by a system moving towards an exploitation of uh, uh, an enslavement of the peasant class, which is just there to pay, to pay and become the resource of uh, and the energy of the system. And uh, ultimately, I don't buy in. And so uh, resistance is, is, is the way. And this is why when I, at the beginning of the conversation, I said I went from entertainment to education and now to like building awareness. I don't need to make money. I'm building awareness of this piece because I care about humanity. I care about every individual uh, from the collective place. It's I am another you, you are another me. If you're asleep and you're taking vaccines that are ultimately poisoned, designed to kill your your immunity your natural immunity well i i care about you and i don't want to see you you get sick so that's why i'm communicating it in the end you get to choose whatever you want to do if you want to choose a vaccine and there's that impact great if i don't want to choose a vaccine and the impact is starvation then let me choose that but that's my choice. But if you push me, if you put me in a quarantine camp because I'm unvaccinated, that's a violation. You've you've taken away my choice. Thank you for sharing this work and for for standing for this. I think it's um, I think it's really important, and I've I've noticed a part of me in the past that is. Yeah, I felt similarly, and I think many many people have felt similarly. Like something's something feels off. I'm not sure what it is. We can't necessarily know what it is, but something just feels weird about the whole thing. And for whatever reason, sat on my hands. You know, didn't speak up about it. And uh, yeah, the nature and the irony of that is that this is the Call to Courage podcast, and then I don't have these conversations. You know, and so yeah, I'm very clear that I want to reach out to the types of people that are that are standing up for this stuff and. Yeah, again, it's not. this is not a conversation about vaccination or not. This is really a conversation about choice and sovereignty where we have our own ability to be able to choose things and and to recognize where we're being spun that story. I think you touched on that. And I think that's really important. We need to be discerning about where we get our news from because that's the important piece, you know. Making a sovereign decision requires you understanding the data that you're using to make that decision. And I think that's part of the self-responsibility as well. Not like I'm just making my choice. It's like I'm making my choice and this is why I've made my choice. So I think 
when I've looked at this, it's like what's what's driving people's choices is more important than the choice that they're making. How they make their decisions is more important than the choices that they've made. But someone that says, you know, I did this because I got a free donut points to something for me, you know, okay. as opposed to someone who says, listen, I made this decision and these are my reasons why. And they're standing in their power as a result of it is a very different type of self-responsibility. I agree. And, and the question is, what is driving choices? <laughs> and understand that in this current time where the old uh, like let's call it deep state or power systems or globalists you know there's a great unveiling and information is uh, is is coming out very quickly but ultimately for as long as we could know you know the what drives decision is what's easily driving decision is emotion and the the predator class like john trudell likes to call them the elite the predator class what what they do is they construct events experiences media messages in order to drum up emotional reactions of which usually look like a binary that splits the peasant class so emotionally from such belief system and 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 um, you know conviction that actually the intention starts to not be a decision uh, driven by you know looking at the whole picture uh, listening to cnn and fox and then the alternative news sources and then going and do your own things and going down some rabbit hole it's not that it's like oh my god you're killing my grandmother you're killing it's like no no this is how media and psyops work to uh, to 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 um poke the uh, repressed traumatic and uh, emotions that we all grew up with. We all grew up with trauma. We have been born in a sick system that is designed to create trauma through the education system, through the, 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 the penal system, through the justice system. It, it's designed to create trauma. And then we're surprised when we're all overreacting from a, a, a almost uh, unconscious emotional state and then saying i'm right because i'm virtue signaling or or proving something that the predator class fed you in order to go against another person we have to be smarter and for me that my call to courage is calling all leaders if you you think you're a leader whether you're an activist a teacher a sacred sexuality coach an empowerment coach if you're a leader it is now your responsibility after seeing the last three years of how the system works to brainwash and enroll your emotional energy and the emotional energy of all your seekers to get to an end goal. And any leader to me in the scene that is just repeating the same old a narrative and rhetoric of CNN, Fox News, or any mainstream media, you demonstrate yourself, especially if you're taking a position 
of um, of uh, influencer, you demonstrate yourself as a charlatan and not one that's truly uh, connected. Because we must learn from the last three years is very much in our face. And if you do not see the corruption and the two-level uh, justice and the justice for some and the no justice for all, and you still think that these same people have your well-being in uh, uh, in, in their mind, you're brainwashed. And, and it's time to pop out of the illusion. And I'm calling to leaders to wake up. And if you're, if you're asleep, to me, I, I, I don't even care. You, you, do, you don't even appear in, 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 the, in my distinguishment of who true leaders are in the world serving awakening and consciousness. There's something that uh, that's a theme. I think it comes up in relationships as well. And it's like recognizing where we're making decisions from fear, you know, because all of this can start to feel a little bit like, what the fuck do I even do? But, you know, the fear and the, the emotional hijacking that you're talking about is really linked to our own internal wounds. And if we think that we don't have them, then we're probably fucking asleep. You know, like the idea that I'm, that I'm, that I haven't felt this thing and you make the decision from there. If you don't think you've got that, then you're probably a good sign that you haven't quite right. looked at it because we And you want to be asleep? Be asleep. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to uh, actually I am putting out the information, but I'm not going to drag you along and just get off my back. You know, if you don't like what I'm uh, talking about, you don't like what I'm preaching, change the ch channel that's what maturity does that's what self-responsibility does we change the channel we don't keep on listening to all the things that we hate to hear and then get our panties in a bunch and say that you're a victim because you were offended this is not this is not grown up this is actually pathological if you ask me hmm some of your work that I've connected with over the past has to do with purpose. And I'd love to bring this back to, to men and where you see the role of purpose and the importance of purpose and where, yeah, where it takes men out of potentially living a fulfilling life. What, what is your theme around that? What, what, what takes you away from fulfilling uh, a life? Let me say it another way. I recognize a version of me that lived in a different life that was following something that I was, you know, building in a, in a business and it, I was following money, but I think it lacked a deeper meaning, which I now describe as being on purpose, like working in something on purpose. And I'd love to hear how you think about that because it seems like your journey was similar. You had a, you chased all the brass rings, you'd made the money, you had all the personal brand stuff, but there was a part of you that didn't feel like you were connected to something that you described as Dharma. Yeah. And, and to me, that is uh, truly the significant shift point in an individual's life. I would say 20 years ago, we would call like individuals going through a midlife crisis. I think those midlife crises was truly like living your life, having done, you know, checked all the boxes, university, school, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, work, white picket fence, 2.5 children, the whole nine yards. And then you, you look at your life and you're like, something's missing. And I think that the, the cornerstone of midlife crisis back then was this piece. And now because we, and now too, but now because we are a bit more conscious and 
a lot of people have chosen to live their life in a way that maybe, you know, brings them more personal satisfaction, more balance, more well-being. So it might not be as <laughs> drastic anymore. But it, for me, purpose was always this, like, call. So even when I was doing Mondoze, I was doing it with a, a mission of prayer. I was doing it with a mission of uh, informing, awakening. I remember one party I threw was called Apocalypse. It was in 2010. The whole idea was to present all the ideas of everything that's happening now in 2025. It, it was wild. I was doing it through entertainment. Um, and... Hold on, we were talking about, I, I just lost track of a purpose. And so it, it's the greater calling. And so for me, you could have a calling of saying, my call is to be a family creator, father, mother, birthing person, whatever you want to call it, that you know you're going to bring in a child and your life purpose is the uh, gift of this child's life of which you want this child to grow up and be an influential, uh, you know, contributor to society. There's life purpose in that. But for others, there's there's a something bigger. And when we say that something bigger, usually we begin to find meaning in our life when we put our focus towards serving something that uh, is important to us, whether it be, I don't know, serving um, a greater uh, research around a disease that your child had or has, and now your whole life is dedicated to not serving it for your child, but for every child that ever ha gets this disease moving forward. Other people, it's, you know, um, you know, raising the flag of what's going on. And, and so for me, it was, how do I support people to live a most, their most powerful life? And unfortunately, it's an uncomfortable role because to live the most empowered, powerful, loving life, it is about ruthlessly taking, uh, taking self-responsibility uh, because we become the conscious creator of our reality. And for me, in addition to that, was also, how do I want to live my life? I want to live my life surrounded by beauty, by femininity, by sensuality. So everything I serve is to feed those three, those three ideals. And so now when I'm making decision in the world, like, should I be a teacher? Should I be an entertainer? Should I, what am, what am I creating next? I'm always looking at it from the lens of what are my missions? Beauty, sensuality, and femininity, as well as supporting my fellow man come into greater power, recognizing themselves as sovereigns, choosing to live a free life, which is a life of great responsibility, because you have to take responsibility for everything that you do. And with that comes greater love when you properly tap in. I'm not sure I answered that question per uh, perfectly, but that's where, I, that's where I got. No, it does. It does resonate. I think um, what I'd like to share on that is really recognizing that a life of service is really doing something that supports the world over and above yourself that that uh, that uplifts at least one other person i think that's that's definitely a, a part of it and as you said it could it could look any way and for those 
that don't know how to find purpose, you know, it's probably linked somewhere to your joy. Whatever gives you the most joy is probably the best place to start, like with a, a sense of curiosity and be like, okay, I'm feeling stuck in this shitty cubicle job that I've done for the last 15 years. I feel like I'm having an inverted comma midlife crisis, but in many ways, it's actually just a, a big fat wake up call. And uh, I want to do something different. Yeah, be curious, follow what feels joyful for you. And yeah, just look for something that serves at least one other person or the planet in a way that, that is meaningful. And I love, I love when you say joy, because for me, another piece is inspiration and enthusiasm. I believe inspiration and enthusiasm is the closest access to uh, God energy or source energy that uh, flows through. So if we're always focused on the heavier things or the denser things, that is what we're creating. Where we could find in inspiration and enthusiasm, that's the breath of life. That's the breath of God coming through our systems. So such, I'm so online with the piece of uh, cultivating uh, joy and and the, 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 the service to something else. Because when we lack meaning, life um, is less interesting. And when the density of life comes, it's harder to live. And, and that's where disease comes, disease comes from. But when uh, we meet life from this uh, refreshed, enthusiastic, inspired place, something that draws us out and we feed that, that that's where we get the opportunity to be in uh, connection with divine alignment, in my opinion. You know, all of these things culminate in this final question, and that is that I can see you are living in service and are creating a space for people to live together as well as being self-responsible. And I'd love to share how you do that because I think the opposite of depression is not happiness, but it's connection. And I think how do we really reconnect with one another in a world that is so hyper-connected? Many of us feel alone. And I'd love you to share your vision of what you're creating in Costa Rica and how all of these roads sort of come together. Yeah, so for me, uh, I had my awakening in Costa Rica when I told you about, you know, the um, uh, moment of uh, spiritual en enlightenment or healing kind of thing. And for me, I've been cultivating uh, relationship and community for the last, I don't know, over decade of my life in Costa Rica. And so... Um, for me, in a hyper-connected uh, world that really actually lacks intimacy is about creating spaces of connection and celebration and joy and uh, mutual uplifting of uh, each other uh, and living uh, um, with each other in in uh, with similar values and for yeah, me yeah, i can i consider my value system along the lines of temple initiate whatever that means that's the whole thing to like unpack but ultimately it's everything that we have spoken of especially emotional self-regulation uh, being emotionally current and um and uh, so for me, it's about creating festival, events, trainings, and ideally, if possible, uh, with the right alignment, will be the uh, rising of a community that uh, promotes temple culture and uh, a, a place where people, can, temple initiates, can come together to both play and pray. 
Oh, bro, it's so it's so beautiful to call you a friend and a brother. Um, I'm excited about the the more time we're going to spend together in the future. I just want to say thank you for for serving your mission so passionately, um, for being unattached to the things that have come into your life. Because I, I noticed that that's been your ability to be able to switch, and I think all of us could use more of that. Like, let go of the things that are no longer serving us, as we recognize more quickly what is in service. And I see you doing that really, really beautifully, and that's represented in the creations that you've put into the world and, and you being in service. And I just want to say thank you for, for serving your mission so passionately, bro. I appreciate, so appreciate it, Gareth. I love you. Um, it's an honor to be you know connected the way we are. And I too look forward to the next steps and spending more time because it is, you know, and I appreciate this conversation and giving me the platform to share my voice. You know, I, I share a lot in writing on social media and it doesn't really come off with the, the precision, the grace, the accuracy and the heart and love that is actually fueling this. Um, and so coming on podcasts and, and you know, serving me up questions that are intelligent and um, have meat into them is really fun to be able to uh, open my channels and allow whatever wants to come through to come through. So I love you. Thank you. And uh, a true pleasure. Thank you, brother. Where can people get hold of you? Yeah. Where can people connect with your work Best and place, get connected with what Frank you're doing? FrankMondose.com. You'll have my name spelled somewhere and or loveanderos.com. Frank Mondose is my portal to all my work. Love and Eros is where I have my online courses. And from there, you could you know find me on YouTube, The Spiritual Playboy, which is a fun little uh, web show that I used to put a lot more energy on in the past, but it's still there and fun to get to know who I am. Completely authentic, you know, is to give a glimpse into my world, as well as uh, on SoundCloud and other um, Spotify, etc. the Daring World podcast, which I need to give more love to. But there's some gems of content for those of you that are uh, looking for some, uh, some content in... Um, Daring World Podcast. So that's me. And like how I, how I always like to end all my uh, talks or whatnot is with let love free because it's the only way we'll ever change anything. Aho, brother. Thanks, Brian. Peace.